Are you saying you faked with me? Yeah. Now you're single. What do you know about sexual relations? Is it true that if you don't use it, you lose it? I'm a little worried about being a slut. You're listening to the Come With Us podcast. Talking the good, the kinky, and the ugly. Here are your hosts, Beth and Aaron. Hello, 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 all you sexy holes and poles. Welcome to Come With Us podcast, where we know that sexy stuff matters just as much as all the lovey-dovey stuff. We're here to help you get all the pleasure you deserve in all the different ways that you can imagine. I'm Beth Darling from BethDarling.com. I'm here with Aaron, and I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest. He is someone who has truly lived an interesting journey. He's not just a sexual wellness coach. He um, actually is also a sexy pup. What does a pup mean? We're going to talk about that. Pup play, puppy play um, in the kink world. We've got a ton of questions. I don't even know how to properly say it, but we're going to learn how to describe it and what the what the pleasure is in doing such a thing. And um, this is Support Pup Cooper. He is so interesting. I love this. He's got degrees in Spanish language and literature and education, as well as a PhD in human sexuality and uh, did some of his studies in Spain. So this is a guy who has been all across the world, talked to people of all walks and backgrounds, focusing on the LGBTQ um, community and helping to inspire all of us to basically live our best and sexiest, most romantic and exciting life, whatever that looks like. So welcome, welcome, support Pup Cooper. I am so glad to have you here. Aaron and I have been wanting to talk about puppy play for a very long time. Um, so thank you for, for being here um, and sharing. And you look so cute in your pup face. Um, <laughs> Right. I, it's such, again, we all, we talk and I told you before, like we laugh, right? I like to get my ass spanked and people think that's crazy. So, you know, what I think is crazy, you'll think is, you know, is normal and stuff. So the pup play, I just don't even know where to start. So please, please, can you tell us what this is about? Maybe how you, how you got into it? Cause I don't quite know exactly where to, where to even start asking you these questions. Ruff. Happy to do so. So uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. And one of the things that's so important to me is that people understand that everybody has their own journey. Everybody gets to these things in their own ways. And there's so many ways that we grow up, we explore ourselves, we have our first relationships. And for me, puppy play is something I found like well into my adulthood. Uh, when I was in graduate school, I was the first time in my life we really talked frankly about sex and sexuality. And when I was in Spain studying there, like my eyes opened too about just the different ways, different cultures see sexuality, gender, uh, roles in families and all of those things. And during graduate school, I sort of realized that I was actually a kinky person and things like sports gear, bondage, restraints, paddling, really piqued my interest. I was like, wow, this stuff is kind of cool, Like, but I have no idea what it would feel like to do it. And so I began to get involved in the kink community, going to events, really shy, really scared, really nervous, um, and began to kind of accrue my own little pile of gear. I, you know, sports jerseys, wrestling singlets, 
football pants and realized that when I put when I put it on, I felt different. Yeah. And I was a person who grew up pretty gender nonconforming, bullied in school, really harassed as a kiddo. But when I put on this gear that represented this very stereotypical masculinity because it's affiliated with sports and particularly rough sports, I felt strong for the first time. I felt powerful for the first time. I felt like my body literally felt different wearing like compression clothes. And I started wearing that stuff to the gym. I started embracing like being sweaty and smelling like a guy. And I realized that there's a whole group of people out there who are into the same thing and we could do this together. And so it kind of began to form a real natural part of my experience. And then I started to go to like kink events. Okay. Can I interrupt for a moment? Sure. If you don't mind? Okay. So I've never, I didn't know this part about you and I'm thinking, and I haven't heard other people talk about this, um, like sports attire, sweaty stuff as kind of a fetish, if you will, or, or something. Is that actually, um, is there a name for this? Like if, if people at home are thinking, oh yeah, I kind of like that idea. What would they look up? Uh, yeah, I mean, sports gear fetish, uh, athletic wear fetish. Um, but yeah, it's it's actually quite common. And the thing is like, it's so normal and part of our culture that people don't even think of it as a fetish. Yeah. But then you start wearing it. It's like, you know, I'm going to be a football player for Halloween. And then you're like, maybe I want to do this more often. But yeah, no, there, there's a whole uh -huh. world out there um, of the stuff. And some people are into like the gear itself, separate from wearing it, right? Like sneakers uh -huh. or socks or underwear, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so as I started going to these events and like super nervous and scared, right? I started realizing there were all these other people like me. And it was one of the first times where I felt like, you know, as a gay queer person, like I felt like I fit in for the first time because even when I started going out in college to bars and I, I always felt really overwhelmed by those environments. People were drinking all the time and I felt like I had to perform a certain way of being myself. Mm -hmm. And when I started to find this other way, like it's something you could do at home. It's something you could do with friends, you know, put on singlets, watch TV, like the feeling of the, of the clothes on your body, like, it's such a powerful feeling and it, it, it changes, it changed for me, my relationship with my body. And so I, I tell women the same thing about like lingerie. Again, I grew up not being able to be very feminine. My mother like discouraged any lace or frou-frou stuff. And, but for me, when I put on lingerie, it's like, I feel feminine for a change. So um, I do, I, what we put on our body, how we adorn ourselves does affect who, how we feel and how we appear, I think, in, in the world. Totally. Yeah. And it, it, it then began to form these relationships over shared interests. Like, we're not just friends because we both have the same identity, but because we like to do the same kinds of things. And then I saw puppies. And I'm going to be really honest. When I first started seeing, like, puppies at these events, I'd be like, those guys are weirdos. They wear masks. That's like dogs. I didn't get it. It, it, it. You know, I never actively engaged in bullying harassment. That's not who I am. But I would think to myself, like, that's weird. And, you know, sometimes yes. people down all fours, you know. Yes. And then I met somebody who mm -hmm. was into it. 
and started sharing with me a little bit more about what it was really about for him. Yeah. And part of it was about this community thing, this, this connecting with other people. But the other part was, you know, we often think about sex as intercourse. We often think about sex as, you know, reproduction, about preventing diseases, about getting, you know, preventing pregnancy. But this person was talking about like having fun in <laughs> the body, being goofy, silly. And I was like, okay, like that sounds actually kind of fun. And at the time, we didn't really have time to hang out in person because we met at the end of one of these events. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, do you want to stay in touch on Scruff? And Scruff is a dating app for, for men who are into like other hairy or like masculine sort of guy. Oh. And I mean, Scruff is changed a lot and it's gotten much more diverse and inclusive over the years but i was like sure so we swapped contact in there and then he was like hey pop get a ball and send me a video of you like playing with this ball on the floor and i was so embarrassed so scared so nervous and deep inside really interested in figuring like giving it a try yeah and I'm like blushing thinking about it because I get it. I feel that like, oh my goodness. It took me years to, to say that I like my ass spank. So I know that feeling of, oh my God, could I really like this? Yeah. And then, so I like got a tennis ball, put it in my like mouth. And this time I didn't have any gear. It was just like me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was so scared. Like what's going to happen to this video? I don't really know this person very well, but. I was very curious. So I did that. And what I realized was like crawling around on the floor, playing with his ball and like playing fetch with myself, basically. <laughs> and then he would be like, next one, you know, turn around and wag your tail or say that, you know, do a good sit. And then I was like, there's something really goofy and fun about this. And what I realized is that I got lost in it. Like I, I found myself playing like a kid. You know what? I don't know. At that time, I was probably like in my early 30s and realizing that like I missed that energy and that so much of like being a dude, being a man passing in society is about a performance of ourselves. And, you know, as kids, as boys, we're often raised to like grow up fast, be tough, be strong. And all of a sudden now I was allowed to have fun. And. That was the hook. And then fast forward to when I put, I went to visit because he lived in New York and it was not very far from where I used to live in Philadelphia. So I went to visit him in New York and he had one of these and I put it on and I looked at myself and I was just like, I'm a dog. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got there. I mean, I have millions of things I can say and my social media is full of stories of my experience, but it really made the big where I found myself at home was realizing that it unlocked parts of myself for years. I thought were shameful, bad. I shouldn't be. And realized that I could be my full self, my goofy, silly, fun self with other people who get it and want that too. And use my whole body and have a good time. I like that. Okay, Aaron, I can tell. Aaron's brain's going a million miles an hour. 
No, not really. I mean, it's no. just. Uh, so I'm guessing you're. You didn't play sports growing up, or, or get introduced to actually, you know, like wearing athletic wear as a child. I tried. I like played soccer. I actually competitively roller skated, which back in the '80s was like cool thing to do. <laughs> and uh, I well, we moved on to rollerblades by then, but I guess. Uh, rollerblades, yeah, it was like rollerblades were like really a new idea, but not quite. Yeah. Where like they were kind of nerdy and weird to be a rollerblader. Um, but I, I never quite got the competitive roughness part of sports, it's just not who I am. I'm like kind of neurodivergent, like not really a normal, like my brain in life is not kind of like a lot of other kids, and so. Sports were hard places for me to like feel comfortable, um, but I gave it a go. I just I was just not, and I don't have like the natural athletic talent that a lot of the guys oh, neither do I. I just like the the reason you know the study should have shown that you, you know you put kids in sports is because it's to build confidence. It's to show them that like if you start you're gonna you're gonna start out dribbling a basketball like you were born without arms. Like that's yeah. just that's the way you're gonna you're gonna look, and then eventually you're gonna be able to make a shot, and then you're gonna be able to pass, and then you're gonna be able to learn things and, and and immerse yourself in a concept that's not school related, that's not you know a teacher drilling you of here's a fact that you're never gonna know because even kids realize that yeah some of this stuff I'm probably never gonna use. You, you don't have to be you know a genius yeah. to realize that stuff that they're teaching me in fifth grade isn't you know gonna last the rest of my life. Uh, but sports is that thing where it it develops an early of if I put my mind to something, if I practice it, I get better at it. If I And it does the same thing for music or anything like that. It's just sports is what brings a group of kids together. So it shows them and it under, lets them understand, you know, social hierarchy and stuff like that. And why, you know, everybody fits any, on a different rung of every single thing that we do differently. Um, so it's just interesting because, like, I was raised playing sports, not forced into it. I mean, I love doing it. I was just a shitty athlete. Um, so, but I... <laughs> Me too, but I'll tell you, it didn't give me confidence. It actually was the opposite because I wasn't very good. I always felt inept and that I couldn't um, measure up. I mean, See, I when truly... I when I quit playing sports because I I learned I was a crappy athlete. I, I kind of just had this realization that I was a crappy athlete. That's when I lost yeah. my confidence because I, I there was nothing guiding me of pushing me to you know, hey, look. I mean, I wasn't good at football. I quit yeah. football. Had I stayed with it. I probably would have been a completely different person and probably a better person because I was crappy at football and I quit before I put in enough time to learn to be better at it and to know that, okay, whatever comes, like all you got to do is just keep grinding through and you're going to get better somehow, some way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of my experience too, was I grew up in rural Pennsylvania and it wasn't a safe, there wasn't a lot of like, safety in sports for people so like i got bullied and harassed as part of my sports experience and probably because i wasn't very good and probably just because like i was a i was like a very atypical boy like i just i just expressed myself in ways that a lot of boys just didn't understand and harassed me about and so i ended up gravitating more towards the music and arts programs because that was a space where i had a little bit more talent naturally but also like people were nicer to each other in those spaces Instead of, you know, some of the way people treat me in sports. But to then get into, like, sports as a place to have fun in this in a sexualized way changed a lot of that for me. And I realized, I'm like, I don't, 
I don't actually have a bad relationship with sports. I just don't want to play and like compete in that environment. I'm not a competitive person in that way. You just it's like not. dressing up like it. Yeah, exactly. And there's something okay. fun about being able to put things on that feel good on your body. Cause like, mm-hmm. like wrist spandex, that like shiny, like sports uniform stuff. Like if it, it feels cool on your body, but like only certain people get to wear that in like the sports world. You know? It's so funny. That's how I like to ski, but I'm not very good. And I say my favorite time of skiing, my favorite part is going on the ski lift because you can't tell who's good or bad there, but you're right. I get to wear all the equipment. I get to be cold. I get the amazing views and nobody knows that I suck at skiing. (laughs) I don't have to tell them. And it is, it feels really nice. And the same thing by the fire afterwards. So um, I do like that. But so tell me something though, is puppy play for, is that like role play? Yeah, 100%. It's role play. And okay. it existed as long as we have any documentation of human beings. The really? relationship between humans and animals and human animal role play is like all over scriptures from like cave drawings to have like uh, Egyptian carvings. Like there's, there's this idea that humans and animals we're interconnected and you know what we are not about sex with animals is not what we do but there's something about embracing our more animalistic side of ourselves and letting ourselves go and you know there's so many messages we, we receive about sex and sexuality that are kind of like trying to purify it make it cleaner make it really only about reproduction but humans are one of the only species, one of the few species of the world where part of why we have sex is because it feels good. Like Mm -hmm. the the clitoris, the penis, and the way that our bodies are wired neurologically to experience pleasure during sex is something really unique to our species. And yet we try, you know, the history of, of, of a lot of Western civilization has been about sort of trying to like purify that and human animal role play kind of gives us permission to like make funny noises and and howl if you're a dog and meow if you're a cat and like the whole um pony play community is huge like there's so many ways in which it happens i mean my version of it is the puppy play world but it's part of this larger human experience over thousands of years where people role play as animals because it gives them an opportunity to connect with the earth, with themselves, with their body and with each other in ways that are really different. I mean, one of my favorite things is looking at another pup in our pup masks and we only can see our eyes, but there's a connection you have with another person through eye contact when you can't see the rest of their face. That really is cool. It's funny. I noticed that during COVID with everybody wearing masks, it was much harder. You had to really pay attention to somebody's eyes to, to understand expression when you can't see a smile or a hint of a grin. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty intense actually to look through the eyes. Yeah. But um, so, okay. So how do people like figure this out? Like did any part of you, once I found the kinky world and I had the same experience as you, I walked into a kinky party and immediately was like, Oh my God, I found my people. Like I didn't know that other people wanted this or were okay doing it. So I get that. But then I realized that I'd been kinky my whole life. I just hadn't 
understood it. I hadn't owned it, recognized it, just kept pushing it down. Do you think that's yeah. how it was for you as a with puppy that that was something you always wanted, but just didn't know how to face? Yeah, I think, I mean, when I look back at my childhood, like I think a lot of people role play as animals as kids, right? Like we, we run around like horses or we run around like puppies or, or we, we cuddle in a pile and watch TV. And like, that may not be actively consciously an animal role play thing, but like mm -hmm. it also isn't not right. And so I think there's a lot of us that find this because we reconnect with that more physical part of ourselves. Um, the other thing is for me, it's so tied to bondage, sports gear, impact play and all those things that for me, you know, there's something about being able to take a spanking or take a flogging that makes me feel strong. That like, you know, if I can take 10 paddles, well, the next time I want to take 12 and I want them to be firmer. And there's something really powerful about that. And it also creates this like neurological response and like a, a happy, pleasurable feeling. I mean, one thing that's true about our neurological system is our body can experience touch and our brain psychologically makes meaning of that experience. But the experience of the neurological system is, is the one and the same. It's more right. a matter of context. Uh, context. Yeah. And what it means for us, because, you know, mm -hmm. spanking can be really painful and hard, but when it's something, it's like a challenge for yourself, it's a completely different experience. And so for me, puppy play is a lot of that. Like how much time can I spend in it? And I, when I spend like, time in puppy play headspace, I come out of it and I feel relaxed, like energized, like I let go of the world around me for a little while and I just let myself be a dog. That's so funny. I am, um, when I first entered the sexy world professionally, I went to a conference with a friend and she said at the end, she's like, Beth, I need a leash for you. And like she I don't think she meant it as a compliment, but I kept thinking about it and, and I really did. So one of my writings I've done is, and I think one of the best ways to describe myself is weirdly as a puppy, even though I'm not into puppy play sexually, but I do, I say, I'll run out into the middle of the street without looking, you know, I will dig myself out of a place just to go see what's on the other side. Not because I'm unhappy where I am and, and I will be pet. Like if you pet me, I will, that's the only time in my life I will stay still and not move. Yeah. <laughs> so it's. Beth, I think you're a puppy. <laughs> yeah, well, I am, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. And the, the equipment and gear and stuff, but I do love the idea of being taken care of. Yeah. For me well, and I will say one thing that's really important is a gear is not required to be puppy play. In fact, when I play off, I often don't wear my hood because I want to be able to use my mouth, my face. I want to feel scritches and pets on my head. Uh -huh. And for people who engage in puppy play with another person, with a person who's like a handler or their owner or whatever language they use for it, mm -hmm. it is for them like having a collar with a leash and having somebody else take care of them is a huge part of the experience. There's something about a structured intimacy, like this is how I want it to go. Because a big part of puppy play is consent, limits, you know, just like anything else in kink, like we get to tell the people we're playing with what we're into, what we're not into, what we want them to do, what we don't want them to do. Mm 
Mm -hmm. We should expect that people respect those things. And so for some people, the idea of going out to a kinky bar night, wearing their collar and having a leash and having somebody, you know, sit down next to me, pet their head while they're there, give them a drink. Because it's hard, it's hard to drink without a straw in one of these. Yeah. Um, but that idea of being cared for is so intentional. And, you know, one of the things people in the coaching work that I do, one of the things people struggle with, with their partners is like getting what they want from their partner and having that partner provide that back. And so often we get resentful and frustrated that my partner doesn't understand me. But often it's because we don't have the language to describe ourselves, to describe what we want, to mm -hmm. ask for that. And then for the other person to say, you know, like, I'm not a cuddly person, but if you are, then go get your hood. Let's have some puppy time. You get some cuddles from me and I'll give them to you. And for some people, the puppy human um, role play dynamic is more simple. It's easier. It's more fun than like human to human relationships. Yeah. I know my mom actually liked her dogs way more than she liked her kids. <laughs> like, you know, just, but, but. So I guess that's my question. So is puppy play, is it always, is it a sexual thing? So it's a mix. There's sexual puppies who like, it's only a sexual thing. There's puppies who it's really more of a social thing and like an intimacy care thing, but is not particularly sexual. And there's people for whom it's both. Um, and I would say like, for me, it, I'm, I'm very demisexual. So like, Sometimes I have very asexual periods of my life and, and I've come to learn that it's just kind of my energy. It's where I just where I'm at and other times when I'm more. But for me, if I don't have a, a relationship with somebody, having that arousal, that desire is really hard for me. Like a lot of folks can just meet somebody on an app, have them come over or go to their place, have a really great hookup and like they have a great time. Yeah, those were always really hard for me. And until I found puppy play, this very intentional space where we talk about what we want, what we don't want, and how we want it, I was like, sex was always just really frustrating and mostly disappointing. And when I found the kinky world, the puppy play world, it's just the happiest place because it's so full of intent and care. I really like that. Um, and yeah, I, so demisexual for people who don't know, right, is that idea that you're not you don't have a desire for sexual unless you have that relationship with the person. Um, uh, and yeah, I think that that makes a big, a big difference. And to me, I call people who can go have hookups and stuff. I, it's, it's like sport fucking and yeah. kudos to them. Like they can enjoy it. It's not my cup of tea either, but again, we all have our own, we all have our own version of crazy, whatever our sexy is. So, and there's so many puppies that are, that's what it is for them. Right. Like, for them to go out and accumulate as many marks on their butt for how much sex they've had. Like that's like a, a really fun experience for them. And I like will fight for their right to have that experience. And I will fight for people to accept them for that. But that's just not what it is for me. But yeah, there's there people do puppy play in all kinds of different ways. Hmm. I like that. So I have a book, um, the five kinds of intimacy and physical, emotional, sexual, romantic, spiritual, and it's interesting to me because I, I talk about that one often piggybacks to the other. And so the physicality, I like what you said, that some people aren't really cuddly people. But if you put them in with a, a puppy experience where they can be a human and a puppy sort of thing, they're more comfortable. So that's where that physicality shifts a little bit and opens up into then 
more emotional, right? Because there's this emotional intimacy of seeing somebody who they are and seeing how they relax and let their guard down um, for both people, whether it's the puppy or the the handler, pet or whatever you, you call it. So I hadn't ever thought about it from that sense. Yeah. And the, the, the hood or the mask is also another layer of it because for a lot of people, like the being anonymous or having sex with somebody who they can't see their face, like that's part of the fun. Mm -hmm. Um, we have harnesses and all kinds of gear. There's, you know, there's butt plugs that are, that are shaped like a tail on the end that stick out. And so like for some people, like, I mean, I know even for myself, like I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't identify myself as a bottom. I don't particularly like receptive anal sex, but having that tail in and feeling it wag, like has it, it's different experience. And again, it's one of those things, like that was something I never thought I enjoyed or really looked for. And then some time with my tail in by myself is, is really freeing. It, it's, it's liberating to have a relationship with my body where I get to control how that is and what that feels like. And I know a lot of people who say like, not having to talk, having some structure of like role playing a dog, even though it's limiting because it closes the options that we engage in, it feels freeing knowing that like I'm working within a set of parameters. This is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I knew a couple that um, he was the puppy and she was the owner. He slept in a dog cage, a dog kennel every night next to the bed. Um, and it was built specifically for him. It was bigger and stuff and had a really nice comfy mattress. Um, and they, they loved that. I, I remember going, Oh my God, I can't, I can't believe people really do this all the time. So how did you, how did you overcome the sort of, I, I don't want to say that there should be shame, but if there's shame or if there's embarrassment or whatever it is that holds us back from just completely embodying our full joys, you know, whatever it was for you, how did you yeah. get that? Well, so, you know, I talked earlier about just like overcoming the shame and stigma around sex in general and how kink really helped me with that. But as a pup, so I'm in my mid 40s and I would say like I'm in the older end of the pup community, although there's lots of us who are in my age group. And among those of us who are gay men born in the 70s, there's a whole generation of men we lost to HIV during the 80s and early 90s. And that was so my generation, yes, my yeah, friends. And, and so for me, part of what inspired me to start Support Pup Cooper as my Instagram and website and coaching practice is because I don't have a lot of role models. I didn't have a lot of role models as a young person. And so for me, part of how I um, overcome the stigma is remind myself that there are millions of people in the world who know this about themselves and are looking for guidance, for somebody to affirm who they are, for give them some, you know, ways to think about things. And so for me, it's kind of transformative, honestly, in realizing that like my doing this is actually saving some people's lives. And I get messages all the time from people who are like, when I found your page by accident, I didn't know I was a pup. And then I thought maybe I'm one of these people. Then I heard you talking about this. And now I have a reason to like be. And it's funny how, you know, it could be sports, it could be theater, it could be art, it could be podcasting, right? Like there's so many ways we all find a purpose. Yeah. And for me, you know, as much as people and like, I am very aware of the people who 
drag me, will drag me even from being on a podcast who think that what I do is weird, will say all kinds of mean, nasty stuff. And then at the end of the day, I know who I am. I know why I'm here. I know I'm a good person. And frankly, there are more people who give me positive feedback than negative feedback. But like, I know the difference. Um, and I will say one of the questions I get most is that question. Like, Cooper, how do you like wear your hood and put it on the internet? Or like, how do you go to, you know, when I travel, I take pictures of myself with my hood on. And people often laugh or smile or, you know, I people people see the playful happiness in it. and the ones who don't frankly i think says more about the own their own shame that they're carrying the own stigma that they're dealing with that they're projecting on me because they feel it inside and i hope that by people seeing me be free and happy and enjoying my life they'll think more about how they can be free happy and enjoy their life mm. amen yeah, thank you. I really, I really, um, yeah, I appreciate that a lot. I think that's, um, I think that's pretty big. And I think one of the things, and we will close. And again, we'd love to have you stick around. We'll do another episode, and we'd like to talk to you then, just as you know, Coach Coach Cooper. But um, I think one of the things that I, I really love about dogs and stuff, and puppies particularly, is that they're not afraid to ask for what they want. Right? Mm. They ask. They're always excited to see people when they come home, even people who aren't nice to them, they still kind of forgive and are like, please love me and love me. And, oh, I need some affection. And I'm thinking if humans, if we could be like that, um, we'd all be better off if we really were just, just knew what we wanted and weren't afraid and to ask for it. We didn't let rejection, fear of rejection stand in our way. So my, my man mantra is I want to have the wisdom of an old bitch and the enthusiasm of a young pup. To me, that's the best. That the best of life. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I love it. All right, Aaron, do you, do you have any questions before yeah. we kind of wrap up on this puppy subject? No, I think y'all covered it. You good? Okay. <laughs> I know it's still, right? It is. It's weird when you've never thought about it. You've never seen it. I think I would still be thinking, oh my gosh, it's, like, it's still weird for me to hear you bark and to do so, so freely. And um, the awkward giggles are because, again, we're just not used to it. And I thank you for just being out there and helping people get used to it and to open the idea for people who really have these desires and are holding themselves back because that's no way to live. Um, but it 100%. is a road. So, yeah. yeah. So and I will say, like, when I do it, and it's funny, they come out in little parts of my, like, normie life like yeah. little barks and little wags. Those are things I held back for 30 years of my life. I didn't wag. I didn't bark. I didn't smile at things because I was worried about what people think. But Cooper literally has saved my life more than once. And like, why the F not? This world is full of hard things all the F over the place. Like, if you can't, laugh and bark and wag and howl like you're missing and out. play yeah, yeah. play because that's what that's underneath everything you're saying right it's this idea that playfulness and and playfulness is where joy can come in where it is it's it's that loss of a filter it's the pure enjoyment of what's going on in the moment and 
showing your feelings, expressing yourselves, using your body to express your feelings and, and, um, and not keeping things in. Um, yeah. And there's, and, there's research that says, this is something I learned in graduate school, and there's probably newer research even now, that people go two years or more of struggling with a sexual problem before they seek help. Oh. And yeah. in my coaching work, you know, I, I sit with folks who are struggling with those things. It's painful. It's hard. It ends relationships. It makes people feel like they're not enough, that they're not a good person. And most of the solutions to these sexual problems involve some part of getting back to your body, having a good time, releasing the shame and the stigma and just being who you are. And then you can get a boner, you can lubricate, you can have really great sex. And, you know, it's not the answer to everything, but it's the answer to like 75% of it. And so if I can help people wag in their own way, growl in their own way, bark in their own way, you know, yelp with happiness in their own way, then I'm doing what I need to do. (laughs) I love it. A pup on a mission. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Paw Patrol. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And for um, Aaron had put it up out there, but listeners, if y'all want to, um, one, if you haven't looked at the YouTube, if you're not watching this on YouTube or something, you should go because his pup hood is adorable. It's hard to not want to just like, you know, scratch and pat and stuff, but also you can find um, supportpupcooper.com or on Instagram at support pup cooper so go find him we'll also have that in the show notes obviously but um anybody who's interested and i appreciate that your instagram is full of stories and everything and bringing again you can call it puppy but it's also whatever your desires are learning how to integrate them into your life to bring your your own self joy happiness pleasure whatever that is whether it's a wrestling singlet a puppy hood um or a leash and a collar and a spanking whatever whatever that is. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you so much. Support Pup Cooper. Um, We will be back and we will talk about the professional coaching part of Pup Cooper and what he can help um, everybody out there with. So thanks for joining us for Come With Us podcast, where you get the bare naked truth about love, sex, and relationships. I'm Beth Darling. You can find me and my book, The Five Kinds of Intimacy, How to Keep Your Love Alive at BethDarling.com. And Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron, because I know you love your pups at home and stuff. And I know this is definitely outside your experience and comfort zone. <laughs> and uh, and I appreciate that you are thinking of this and everything, too, just like our listeners out there. So Aaron and I are so glad to be with y'all on the sexy journey. Thank you again, Pup Cooper. And we'll see you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Come With Us podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Come With Us podcast and send in your questions, comments, and confessions to comewithusconfessions at gmail.com. Until next time, keep it fun, flirty, and naughty.